great to see you here today. We are going to look at the Bible together now. I'm going to be uh, reading in a few moments from the Bible, a book in the Old Testament, part of what's called wisdom literature, a reflecting on life called Ecclesiastes. So if you have a Bible, you may want to, or device, you may want to look up Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, and we'll be, I'll be reading from that in just a few moments. But first, let me just say, at the beginning, at the turn of a year, the dawn of a decade, it's already been said, but I think it's fairly fair to say we are marking time, and I recognize that today. If life was an exam, this is the point in the year when you are busily trying to get it finished and you hear a life invigilator who's been pacing around your life all year saying, please ensure your name is written on all pieces of life. All memories and moments collated and labelled and firmly fixed together. Do you remember that? There's this moment in the year when we uh, may reflect on what has or hasn't been done. Because the trouble with life is there's never quite enough is there not enough hours in the day not enough days in the week not enough weeks in the month not enough months in the oh very good yes figured out the pattern i don't know maybe you feel there's not quite enough time what do you do when you are apparently at the end of available time not enough good time well maybe it's the case is not enough of the good times there's been more than enough, too much of the life you never wanted. Whether life is dashing or dragging for you, it's often unexpected. And the last decade has included a whole bunch of things uh, that we weren't expecting. A decade ago, no one had uttered that word beginning with B, which has been said a lot of times. I'm just going to mention that and move on quickly. Okay, a decade ago, watches weren't very smart. They might have looked smart, but they weren't very smart. Uh, a decade ago, people kept all sorts of cups, and they didn't call any of them keep cups. But apparently, we do now, okay? A decade ago, no one had heard of fake news. A decade ago, 3D TVs we're going to be the next big thing. I don't know how big they ever were. A decade ago, some of you weren't here. You weren't a Christian. You hadn't got baptized. Actually, a decade ago, none of us were here because none of us were in this room a decade ago because a decade ago, this room looked about like that. And uh, what have we got? Home coffee house would have looked something like that. Things have changed a lot in a decade. A decade ago, skip on a couple, Jim Partridge looked a bit like that. Yeah. Life isn't always kind to us, is it now? <laughs> what can I say? Uh, I dare not show you what I looked like a decade ago. Hey, in the last decade, I got in a wheelchair with arthritis. And then God got me out of it. By the grace of God, I've been healed. So amazing things happen in a decade. I don't know. Whatever your year, your decade has been like, it's possible you may feel 
you've been stuck in the middle of what Her Majesty the Queen earlier this week referred to as bumpy times. The most important thing a Christian can do in any times, bumpy or smooth, is to pray. In prayer, we remember that God has already done. In prayer, we remember that as Jesus' people, we are people of the cross, a place where Jesus said, it is finished. And we look to him in prayer for what only he can do. That's vital. So I want us to pray before we finish. And in that respect, this is like I'm inviting you to get your phones out. If you have a phone and you are a furtive phone fiddler uh, in a preach time, you can actually, this is like legal phone fiddling, because I'm going to ask you if you want to text about things that you have prayed about in the last decade. If you've prayed for something and you know that God has answered your prayer, uh, I'd love it if you felt you could share it. So text this number. Uh, with the begin your message LD LD means last decade okay something God's done in your life you know he's answered a prayer in the last decade that would be great Uh, we may share some of those at the end of the time alternatively if you want to text what is your prayer in the next decade uh, same number begin your message ND what is it you are asking God to do this The turn of time is the moment to be saying, God, this is who I believe you are. This is what I want to see you do in my life, in this situation, in that person's life. When you're thinking, while you're thinking about that, maybe you're composing your text about your time and God's activity in your life, I want to read to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And it starts like this. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. I don't know what you sense as you listen to this cycle of activities. Maybe there's something in the poetry that, of it that seems comforting. But what we should recognize as we hear that is the emphasis in the repetition. There is a time. We might live desperate lives in order to make 
and gain things or to see it happen how we think it should. But what God reminds us in this wisdom literature is there is a time. Throughout the entire span of your life, there is a time. It's like when the clock keeps bonging and you know something, boom, bong, you know something's going to happen. There's a drama that builds in this. There is a time. Except it's not, you know, dinging for midnight. It's something like 28 o'clock in this passage. Something is going to happen. There's a time for everything. Hey, there's a time to plant. I think that means there's even a time for vegetables in this. And if there's a time for vegetables, there's time for you and me. There's a time for life, for growth, for harvest, for emotions, memories, relationships, destroying, replacing, repairing, rebuilding, getting, giving, forgetting, forgiving, keeping out, speaking out, loving, fighting, and peace. There is a time, the Bible tells us. There is a time. Basically, there is a time for everything that we think we should be free to choose. And God says, yeah, there is a time. Everything we claim we choose, right and sort out, if only I had enough time, I would. If only enough, I had enough time, I would show how great I am in my universe. Warning, that's not how it's meant to be. That's not what time is for, is it? Sure, time is for choosing. That bit's true enough. But every choice that we make, that you and I make, is about relationship and it's about worship. Every choice says a little bit more about what is in your heart and what you really want the most. Every choice says that in time. And after this catalogue of times from the Bible, there's a bold and a provocative statement. It says, everything is beautiful in its time. I mean, did you get that? Everything is beautiful in its time. Really? Because if you look at that list, there's like, hurt and hate, there's conflict and confrontation, and there's loss on the list. And I don't see those sorts of things trending in an uber-lovely, wonderful world kind of way on Instagram. They don't seem all that beautiful. And yet, to highlight something, the Bible is challenging us with the truth. Everything is beautiful in its time. Really? I wonder if everything is beautiful because of the potential there is in everything to glorify God. I don't know about you, but I have seen people forgive when everyone knew they had been unfairly treated. And it was beautiful. Sometimes when people take great risks because they care enough to make a loving confrontation, it's not pretty, but it is a beautiful thing. I've seen people trusting God 
in tragic loss, hoping in God through deeply painful hurts. And those things too are very beautiful. Maybe if you've glimpsed God's grace in others like this, you know what I mean. But let me ask you, do you live more like God's in control of time or like you would like to be in control of it? When you're trying to be in control of time, we miss opportunities to remember what God has already done. And notice what he's doing in other people's lives as well as our own. Do you want to see God's uh, truly doing beautiful things in time, in our times? Do you want to live like there is a time, the one in which God will be glorified? You're going to have to wrestle cynicism and stuff to do that. Avoid writing people off and thinking we always know best. Because one thing for sure about time is that we don't know how it's going to work out. Time's shown I don't always know best, pretty often. And people have done that in all sorts of ways. 20 years ago, blockbusters was probably the place to hire a movie. Does anybody remember that? Netflix wasn't yet available in the UK. And at that point, the boss of Netflix offered his company for sale to blockbusters for a mere $50 million. And they poo-pooed the idea. Like, what kind of niche, specialist kind of thing? Streaming? Are you kidding? I don't think so. So blockbusters declined. Who would have known how the future would work out? They were sure they knew. What about you? Are you so sure you know how the future will work out? Will we ride in automated vehicles? Is that what's going to happen in another decade? Who knows? This week we were talking about that, and my son said to me, if we're going to ride in these, Dad, how will they avoid the potholes? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. How is it going to work out? Life will probably not go entirely to plan. But what the Bible tells us is time is definitely not out of God's control. Sure, there'll be moments in 2020 that we will want to last forever, and there will be less desirable ones, and that will simply feel like they never end. You could choose not to be satisfied in this coming year until one particular moment has happened, or maybe not satisfied until another moment has finished, but even when it feels like a circumstance has taken everything you have, it cannot take everything you are. You'd have to give that circumstance something of your identity. And time does not make you someone. It never will. God wants to give you identity. Time merely shows you what you believe about your identity. I wonder what that will be. But there's one more thing for today that the Bible says about time. And that's in verse 11. So we can skip on to that on the screen and we can see that. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. But it also goes on to say, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He has put 
eternity into our hearts. In other words, we live, the Bible tells us, with an irrepressible sense that there is something more. I don't know if you know that. We, we know it and we feel it when life is unjust and unfair, don't we? We long for a time and a place where things are good and right, where they're hope-filled and happy. Because in many, many ways, we are hardwired for eternity. It's why even though we're finite and imperfect people, we still get restless for something more, something better, something We make life harder for ourselves when we live as if here and now is that perfect destination. Lots of people are bustled about in recent weeks, you've probably seen them, desperate to arrive at somewhere called Perfect Christmas. Right now, they're wondering why they didn't get there. Others are, are just now, they're off planning how they're going to get to Perfect 2020. If you've placed your happiness in your partner, that job, that special trip, your children's choices, your grandchildren, etc., etc., there's another tough year ahead for you. Another bumpy one. Sorry about that. <laughs> Cheery thought. But neither perfect Christmas or perfect 2020 are the destination. Heaven is our destination. Each one is preparation for that destination if we recognize what life is and what eternity is because time and eternity remind us that we are not God time leaves us looking ridiculous when we try and spend it trying to become God there's nothing quite like eternity and putting everything and everyone back in their place in eternity I get to stand far enough back from my achievements to see them all at an accurate scale. In eternity, I get to see how great and how central God is. You might have heard it read at Christmas time in a carol service. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. It goes on, for he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. He hasn't even been born yet, and he's called a dad. I mean, I don't know if that ever occurred to you. It's an unusual title for a baby, isn't it? Jesus, Everlasting Father. He's the eternity man. You were made to know the eternity man. To have that relationship with him. The one, uh, you know, the perfect one. Where do we look for perfection when we could know it in that relationship with Jesus in eternity? I wonder, do you live as if this is preparation because heaven is destination? Let me give you a quick few ways that can help us to do that. Firstly, we need to live God-centered. This is all about priorities. Living like God is most important and necessary to each of us. Without priority, 
other people, me, my stuff, all get into the right perspective. Once I've got a right perspective, my expectations will get reordered. How about you? My gratitude to God can begin growing as it should when I live in a God-centered way. Any disappointment with other people, myself or stuff, frankly, all of which are imperfect, is rightly rescaled. Their imperfections, my imperfections, need not overwhelm me. Because it's all about him. I'm living in him now. Secondly, faith. If you see people uh, in charge of time, then it's inevitable you are going to be fearful. Because frankly, if I was in charge of time, you would have a lot to be worried about. Maybe you'd know that for yourself. But when God is in control of time and eternity, it is the place where faith can grow. We can grow in our understanding, our recognition of his faithfulness. How's your faith? That's what living with a sense of eternity is about. What about hope? Having an eternal sense of life is having a sense that is dependent on God's ability, not mine. It's a place that real, robust hope can grow. Is time about saying, I'd, I'm going to see what God can do, and I know that he can? Or is it a sense of, oh, I don't know if I can do it in time? There is a time. Where's your hope? What about love? When we remember that Jesus poured himself into time, coming as a baby, living and dying in our place, we have the best, the ultimate opportunity to know what love is. Forgiveness is possible in Jesus. And justice will come in its time from the one who says there is a time. And that's enough love to make a difference for each of us, for you. Where is your love in time? Where will it be in eternity? Time is so full of imperfections. Of course, life is hard, it's sad. It hurts sometimes, it can be painful. Of course, life is also fun sometimes. It can be joyful and exciting. Both matter. I'm not pretending that or dismissing either. Instead, I'm saying that in the Bible, there's a different view of time. And actually, in the Bible, life is compared to a dream. And eternity is compared to waking up. And that's worth us remembering as we live so conscious of time in these days. Life is compared to a dream and eternity is compared to waking up. Yep, dreams can be fun, bizarre, scary, and then they're over. We wake up and see them for what they really are. At one point, as people wrote about Jesus' life, later on in the Bible, someone said this, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is 
is eternal. What would it mean for us to live like that? What is seen is temporary. The things we wrestle for and strive for, get restless about. Going, going, gone. What is unseen is eternal. That's the real deal. Lots of things will pass away, but actually your words and your choices matter way beyond the moment. They're the things that count for something in eternity. And living like that is preparation. It's remembering that those things of life that matter. There are consequences. Real consequences. If we lived, what if we lived with a keener sense of eternity rather than simply time? What if we lived with a clearer sense of God in control and a truer sense of trust in Him? What would it mean for you in the next year to have a greater sense of who God is at the middle of your life than what you might achieve? What will come to you, what may not come to you? What would it mean for eternity to come crashing in on your year? This preach isn't about stuff that you're going to do. It may be about some things that you're going to say or choose not to say. I'm not giving you something else to do. I am offering you something else to think about. A different way to look at the life that you've got. A different sense in which we hold time. And I'm asking you what you might do about that. Some of us really like to have stuff, don't we? I don't know about you, I'm a bit, you know, I know streaming's a big deal. I'm a bit old school when it comes to all of that. I still quite like to get a CD. Uh, that probably means, you know, I'm getting old or something. I want a bit of stuff. You know, I, w I want the, the artwork on it, you know? And I want some notes. I want to read who they wanted to thank in the sleeve notes and stuff. I want to find out if there's anything else about it. I, it's an object, but I, I, maybe deep down I, I really want to own it. Because actually, when we stream it, that's a bit more the reality of the music. Just because I've got the CD, I don't own that music. It's not mine to do with as I wish. I can't redistribute it. I can't broadcast it. I can't you know, make copies of it for other people. Right, there's lots of rules because although the CD is mine, the music is not mine, is it? Actually, you can stream stuff when you stop streaming, it's gone. And in many ways, your life is about like that. Sometimes we hold on to life like it's something I've got to own. It's mine, I want to do what I like. But at this moment, as we think about time and eternity, your life is streaming right now. And at some point, your subscription ends. <laughs> and it's what happened in that. What will you do? What will you choose? What is left is how you've lived for God, the worship that you've known. I want us to respond to God in worship now, and then we're going to pray.